Reclaiming representation is an opportunity for artists who typically don't have center stage in the art world to talk about their journey and get a chance to reflect on their experience. It really is just an excuse for me to talk to artists who I really admire, artists who are contributing to social change, artists whose work is honest and authentic. Throughout this series, I'm going to be trying to answer the question, what is the artist's role in dismantling systems of oppression, and how can creatives be more socially responsible? Before we get started, I want you to know this is part one of a two-part interview, so stay tuned for part two. My name is Jose Villalobos. Um, I go by he, him. I do identify as queer, as also, you know, I'm brown, so <laughs> brown queer. Um, but I think definitely, uh, as far as my work goes, what I kind of fall into is I do installation and performance. So um, I think sometimes when we look at specific artwork, for me, I was very interested in filling up a specific space. So something that was sculptural aspect to it, but also moving away from it uh, in a sense where it, it becomes a, um, you know, something that you can experience by being in the in it in the space um, with it. How have you been handling um, the COVID situation right now? If you wanted to go into that a bit? Yeah, um, as far as uh, COVID goes, I mean, it kind of just uh, really, I mean, I think it, it set everybody on a on a delay of some sort, right? It's like almost as if as if the world paused, but it didn't pause for many other reasons too, right? So like, it's not like it, it stopped from the virus from spreading or it stopped uh, to all the families, bless their hearts, who have lost anything due to this. But I do definitely think that it's been a learning experience of uh, understanding our discipline as people, right? Like how disciplined we are to really stop this specific thing from spreading and also helping others. Um, I was actually off to my residency up in New Orleans. I was part of the Joan Mitchell Foundation uh, Artist Residency Program. Once I got there, things really started to go downhill fast. I think the world was in panic mode. It was almost as if it was uh, surreal. You know, we knew it was happening, but then at the same time for me, like I wasn't seeing the trauma that it was causing others, you know, like the hospitals being full or like it, I wasn't personally affected by it. So it was kind of surreal to me, but then, you know, I really, I started to get scared at some point. And um, so, they, you know, my residency was placed on pause and they kind of sent everybody home. And then that's kind of when uh, it started to really like um, kick in that this is very serious and we should be taking care of ourselves and taking care of others. Right. And, um, uh, pay attention to every single thing. I was a little bit depressed, I'm not gonna lie. For me as an artist, I thrive on being creative. It was a little bit, um, it, it, it didn't feel normal, right? And it felt very different. And um, so it just kind of, you know, I wasn't able to create work um, for a bit. And then I kind of just started uh, focusing myself in uh, either writing or uh, reading. Also, I was focused too much on the political of a lot of things, like the political aspect of the virus and uh, just seeing the numbers go up. And, and I kind of had to shut myself away from that for a bit and kind of just start start playing around with materials and work and writing and reading. 
And slowly but surely, I started to develop um, a little bit of work. Um, I think it's important to play around with things. And, I, you know, I wasn't taking anything serious as far as my work at the moment because I just was at a, I was in a weird block. So I needed to kind of uh, just play, right? Play with, play creatively, I guess. And, you know, I, I think once doing that, I was able to develop a little bit more work and it just, everything was was on the fence, you know, whether it was going to happen or not. And I had exhibitions uh, that were uh, delayed and up to date, they're still delayed. But I think it's given me more time to really think about certain things. It's just trying um, the best that we can in this situation. And um, I think, I think throughout this whole thing, I think it really taught me, right, how to how to be disciplined as just as a person, not even as an artist, right? Like you have to stay home and you have to wear a mask and, uh, you know, just taking all the precautions that were recommended was important. That's what we can do is all we can do is try our best to protect one another. And that's, I think that still goes to show for now because this is not, it hasn't gone away. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of. How has your work changed post COVID or in COVID? Um, because I know a lot of your work is performance, it's with people, it's an experience. And I'm wondering if the content has changed at all or how you've changed the way that you're making your work? Definitely what has changed was is the performance aspect of the work. You know, I, as, a perf as a performer myself, we kind of see this instant reaction to what we do. You know, when it's, you know, and it can be simple as uh, you're done performing and people will come up to you and thank you and talk to you about it. And it's almost like an instant uh, reaction or gratification of, of what you're doing in the arts. And I think that um, that has definitely changed. It's been so weird. It's just something that uh, that I miss as a person, too, and as an artist is that. But it has changed that aspect of my work in which maybe now performance is being moved into video performance, right? Um, I have done video performance before, um, but now it's, you know, it's, it's a little different. Um, I, when you're performing uh, as a body in a space with people around you, I think their reaction uh, time is different as well, right? So they're taking it all in as it's happening. And sometimes when it's happening, um, there's things that in performances that I don't plan that I create while I'm doing this performance, right? Uh, when you're recording, it's a little bit different. Um, yeah, you can still be raw, right? But it's a little bit more um, being aware of the camera and the, your stop and your beginning and your end. And if you need to do, you know that you have the availability to stop time if you need to, right? Um, that's different and but you know also there it's kind of everything's leaning on technology now and it's leading towards um social media a lot of it and it's uh so that you know kind of what i've been doing is i've been you know kind of reposting performances that have that other people were recording or that i've done through video uh, or just reposting old uh, work, right, uh, that I've done that maybe people didn't have the opportunity to, to experience back then. 
you know, since we're heavily leaning uh, on social media at the moment, too, I think that um, also my following wasn't as big as, you know, as it continues to grow now. And it, sometimes, you know, also my social media is so, uh, so packed with so much information that we kind of um, bypass certain things. So, you know, for me, I've been resharing maybe like old designs or old work or resharing my installation that maybe travels or, you know, just the kind of little things to kind of, uh, you know, kind of show the either people who are now just discovering your work, the opportunity to, to kind of really, um, you know, experience your work per se. Right. Um, as far as my other work, installation is also kind of been a little fucked and excuse my language, but um, installation is, you know, like to have a piece of art that people can go and experience in person, walk around it, be in it is a little different now, right? At the moment, we, we cannot do that. Um, spaces are opening, slowly opening up, but, you know, with precautions and uh, maybe limits people from experiencing certain things to a certain level. Um, but I think that with technology, you know, there's things that are still possible for people to experience them. Also, people get to experience a lot of things for free now. As we post in social media, I think the accessibility is very extremely important. And I've always been about uh, the accessibility of uh, work, even if it's a, the smallest fee of $5 to enter a space, a person may not have that $5 to experience your work. And um, to be able to, that's why I've always loved to share my work. A lot of, you know, there's been articles written why we shouldn't share on social media and such things, but I think that it, also provides accessibility to others who either are not in the same city or people cannot physically go and see a specific thing. It can be for many reasons. It can be um, something that has to do with, um, you know, their, where they're at uh, as far as their monetary uh, expenses, you know, or it can be as simple as someone uh, is maybe just physically incapable of being in that space. Um, also, it can be students who don't have the accessibility because they're maybe come from a family who are considered disadvantaged, right? Um, I, I was a teacher for a high school art teacher, you know, and sometimes to be able to, to be able to kind of give that to students is very hard, right? Or to even get their parents to agree to do something can be difficult because a lot of them do have both working parents who are barely getting by. But I think technology has been able to be sufficient in that sense is, is that now it's it's just available online and people can experience it, right? You can create a piece, you can create a video tour, right? Physically going in, you know, kind of um, producing this type of video that allows them to experience it to a certain level. Photography, of course, but as far as the process of my work, it's still kind of been the same, like developing. I still just play around with material. Luckily, as an artist, you know, we kind of hold on to a lot of crap and we get to play around with it. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that, I don't think that stopped me in that sense. For a bit, I was thinking like, oh my God, the only thing that I can produce is probably 2D work at the moment um, because it'll 
it's easier to to photograph, right? It, it, even if it was in my own space, even if I didn't have a show or an exhibition coming up, if I needed to develop a body of work, I could photograph it and uh, share it, right? And I think um, as far as like subject matter, that has not changed. And I don't think it, it'll change for a while because of, uh, of what I work with is important to me. And, you know, and it, if then, I think a lot of this amplified it because now you had families who are stuck together in a house, right? And, you know, we saw all the rates of child abuse and the rates of domestic abuse um, because uh, of being quarantined or stay-at-home orders, right? They did go up. Another thing I've been thinking about in terms of art now moving to like social media platforms um, and accessibility is like also it's on the viewer's terms. Like it's not like, oh, go to this gallery at this time to see this work. It's like, I have some time, I'm on my phone. What work can I see? Um, right, I also right. think that's changed things as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think that, and also what I think what's interesting about social media is that you get a lot of cross-reference, right? So we have somebody who's maybe interested in your work, but then finds another artist because of simple, like hashtags or, you know, so there's a lot of cross-referencing mm -hmm. that can happen that I don't think can happen in, in a, you know, in real lifetime, right? Because now you have maybe artists discovering your work because you know, it can just be trending or people are sharing and reposting. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's one of the advantages of social media has. And I also think another like uh, accessibility point or uh, an accessibility point is also like just social anxiety. Like I know a lot of people that don't like going out to openings because they don't want to have to be around people. So it's also like for, for those people being able to see it in your own home is also an added level of comfort. But then you lose the uh, ability to now interact with other people. So it like furthers your self-isolation to some degree. <laughs> when did you begin to see yourself as an artist? What was that like for you? I kind of was always artistic. Well, at least I thought I was always artistic, right? As a kid, I was always doodle and coloring. My biggest, like my fav most favorite thing as a kid was always creating whatever I could out of like literally like junk. You know, just it's just like the imagination was there. And back then, too, you know, for me as a kid, I think there was a lot of things that were kind of considered taboo. And I knew that. But I remember this one time my mother told me that, oh, when you grow up, you're going to become a fashion designer. Right. For me, uh, I took that as a negative because I knew where that was coming from. And I knew that that was rooted in this image that a fashion designer was always like a some gay man who was extremely flamboyant so it was like kind of rooted in homophobia so i kind of i would always say no no i'm not gonna be that eventually when i moved away from home came here to san antonio and i decided that i was going to go to school and i really wanted to become a writer a creative writer right and um and i took my first art course college art course and i completely fell in love with art again kind of just snowballed from there and I wanted to do more. I didn't have that accessibility as a kid to, to go to museums. I only went to a museum once uh, and that was only because it was a school field trip. So to me, it was very visually stimulating, yes, but I did not understand a lot 
and as an adult, I wanted to understand why such work was created and what was the intention behind it, as far as also the artist's intention. And to me, that was very interesting. For me, that was very, it was something that I wanted, that I became deeply interested in. And I, and I kind of just changed my major and I kind of really started to learn what the idea behind contemporary art was, right? And also kind of noticing that there was a, a bigger representation when it came to white artists, right? Than there was of artists of color. And to me, I, I didn't understand why. To find out is um, such a craft can be considered to be folk, right? And when we see like all of these um, these art pieces that uh, people from different countries have developed, especially when the indigenous that have indigenous roots, um, whether it's here or in Mexico or in Latin America, you know that becomes folk art and. You, you still get separated, right? So it's not contemporary. It's not, it's almost like it's not good enough to be that. But, uh, so I became heavily interested in like, how can you be a person of color and be in the contemporary art world? Like what, what does it take, right? And um, I don't know, for me, it was like, I want to be, I want to be that. Like I never ever had that vision of, of being an artist as a kid. But now, uh, of course, as an adult, that was like, no, I think that um, people of color should really have their voices heard, specifically in this contemporary art world here, right? Because this is informing generations to come of a lot of things. And I think it's important. But um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I started um, with art. It was just this journey of kind of just rediscovery of what I really loved. And then, you know, and then I came into performance um performance for me was very powerful um and i remember the first performance i discovered with uh, marina bromovich which she's one of my favorite performance artists see the visual um of certain work that you can do with it was so satisfying and so powerful and with her i saw that you know that you can use your body as an instrument of your own work too right but now you're using body language and you're using voice and you're using a lot of things and for me when you can't express or you know an object cannot express the feeling that's behind it i think that's where for me where performance comes into play right because now i can be um i can exp it's something that i can express and that the reaction of the person that, it'll be completely different than maybe seeing the sculpture than um, kind of experiencing a person uh, with performance, right? Especially my performance, because I'm very also, uh, I do a lot of self-harm. Uh, I tend to kind of have that visual element of the work. And I always talk about the pain uh, growing up and being closeted, my, you know, my entire life or childhood and how that pain cannot be seen unless it, it, people cannot relate to pain as such. I think it's harder to understand. But when you, they start to see a pain to their body, they can relate to it, right? And I think for me, that's where that comes from because we all have you know, flesh and bone. So that's, for me, it's using that pain to be able to express the pains that I have endured that are not considered physical, but more on um, a mental and emotional level. And of course, you know, there's physical pain growing up of getting 
you know, a hit or things as such, but, you know, it's a little different. People with like very particular identities that um, kind of like deviate from the norm, our bodies, um, what, what like race we are, what ethnicity, where we come from, how we like talk, all of these things are already like being, I don't know if used against us, but like are being conveyed and people are taking what they want with it. So it makes sense then you using performance as a way to like be in control of the message that your body is giving um, versus someone taking whatever message that they want from who you are. What is this like the spiritual significance of you being an artist? Yeah, I mean, for me, exactly that, you know, it's, it's, I am allowing, um, I'm allowing myself to heal and express, but also I'm allowing others to experience and also at the same time heal, right? And it's this experience that um, it's almost like this astral projection, right? So that people can like, sometimes will will be in that same zone that I am, but you know, they're not the ones acting on the performances. They're, you know, it's myself, it's my body. Um, but for them to be able to connect to it somehow, right? I think that is a part of also education, right? We get to learn because maybe, maybe you're maybe the person experiencing such thing is not was not the victim. Maybe it's the person uh, who did it, right? And and you become you become more aware of a situation, and you become um, almost like humbling, right? So like it, it allows you to open up a little bit and under, try to understand. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it, it's that it, you know, it's the part in which we I allow people to experience it and um, maybe even develop a conversation, right? Because then they start talking about it, and then people start becoming aware about uh, aware of it. I think that there's always going to be a connection somehow, especially using either common household objects or you know as simple as a, a fruit or a vegetable. But you're using your own body. Everybody can relate to that because we all have a body. These are things that we experience, uh, you know, maybe on a daily basis. Marina Bralovich did this performance with the onion, right, where she's biting into this onion. We know what an onion is, and we know what it does to you. And to, to see this video of of her doing this, right? It makes you understand it to a certain level because we all have all those receptors that that person has, definitely. I keep thinking about like what is good art, what is meaningful art, and even the sense of like political activism, like what is the right way to be an activist? Um, but I also feel like it's it's planting seeds. Um, I think you're just with her work, um, like her biting into an onion does not change the world. But yeah, it yeah. shows someone what that kind of experience could create. It shows someone like, oh, I can see her eat an onion and I can feel something. What can I do with that? Not everything has to be so meaningful because one day someone can take that and do something with it. And another thing I really appreciate about like performance artists is like, as, so as someone with like a mental difference, I really think about how people learn. I feel like the work that performance artists do and creating these experiences, like it's a gift, like being able to, you use your body to then help other people learn something. Like, I think that is such a gift because we don't get to do that all of the time. But if you're, if this is something that is meaningful to you that you can share with other people, I think that's really special. Who would you say your intended audience 
is with your work? And do you feel like your intended audience is receptive to your work? For me, it's difficult to just have like the intention of just having one specific type of audience um, because I think that homophobia and, and machismo, it's kind of across all cultures, all ages. But I think if I had to specifically say that this was intended for a specific audience would definitely be those who are deeply like homophobic. I think it is intended for all people of color because I, I mostly do talk about my work in navigating the space as a queer person in my own culture, right? And then, of course, I have done work that is about navigating a space as a brown queer person in a white dominated field. A lot of us, and I say us because we're all human beings, right? But when it's something that, um, that we don't necessarily agree with, we kind of just stick to our guns, right? And this is the way it should be. And uh, we never lend our ear to listen when we should. And um, I think it's important that we listen and we see and we pay attention. Um, because that's how we are able to understand either it could be something that we have done in the past that was problematic or something that we continue to do that we're unaware that's problematic. And, you know, when you get that across and people start to notice this is how they're navigating their world and this is how they feel, right? And this is how oppressive it is and not noticing. For me, it's that. To at least put that thought in their head, right? It's a small, like how you said, it's a seed. To put that seed in their, in their mind and their heart is where it all begins. Because they may not still make a disagreement with a lot of the things, but then that person will tell somebody, oh, guess what I saw? And that's how it all starts, right? And then a conversation starts. Uh, I do also believe that my work is intended for all um, people uh, that are like me. It's like kind of spreading this awareness too that you're not alone in this experience that they're trying to navigate their own maybe familial space right their own family and the rejection that they can get and, or um, their own culture right uncles aunts that is your culture for me it's also that it's just you know you, you can be powerful too right and uh, just because you're gay or you're queer and that power is taken away from you does not mean that you can't regain that power that you once had. And uh, for me, it's sad, you know, having queer people out there in support because sometimes they see this and they, they see the powerful impact that it has. And I'll give you an example. Um, I had a solo show at the South Texas College in the Valley here in Texas. And um, there was this girl who came up to me after I did a performance, felt the importance of what I did. She approached me and she's like, she's all, thank you for everything that you're doing. And she just started crying, right? And I just, I gave her a hug. I comforted her because this is something that she was experiencing and not being able to talk about it and feeling that because she was queer and, you know, all these things that are always uh, important planted in our hearts as we're growing up and who we should be and what we should talk about, what we shouldn't talk about. Um, all of that is oppressive, right? So for her to be able to relieve herself of that at that moment was very special to me because then 
I know that what I'm doing is for a specific reason. Ever since that happened, you know, I do always share that experience because that, for me, that's special. Especially as an artist, not always are you going to get the opportunity to be on one-on-one with the audience or with people because, you know, you're you're doing this, you're doing that, um, you're performing, okay, we're doing a talk, you know, and it, it's sometimes you, you are pulled um, from one side to the other, but, you know, to have this person come up to you and do this is special because they had the courage to talk to you as an artist and now they look up to you at a certain in a certain way, I guess I should say. And I think that was definitely one of the most gratifying experiences that I've ever had. Sometimes people don't receive my performance uh, in such way because, you know, they they cringe or the question where it's like, uh, why do you hurt yourself? My answer is always because it is very hard to express what pain is without showing you pain, right? To me, it's always that. That same answer is always that because I would say when I show you a physical element of pain, you feel it like I'm feeling it. And that pain comes from many, many things. Do Um, you document all of your performances? uh, I try to. Sometimes it's very hard to. I think, uh, God, you know, it's just, do you have the money to pay someone to document is the biggest issue. Um, One, I'm not rich, uh, you know, so I don't have the the accessibility to be like, hey, uh, I can pay you to you know, film me, but usually um, they will, um, there's some people um, who can provide those services, like the McNair offered to document it, so it's documented, you can see it uh, online on YouTube, so like, I think for me, documenting performance uh, can go either way, it can go either to be very, look like a video performance, or it can actually be like a documented performance, right, I think it's important to, for any artist, especially performance artists, to have some sort of documentation, it's just hard to come by. How would you describe how you got to where you are today? For me, you know, it's it's been all about the hard work. And sometimes that hard work needs to be free work. And that's kind of sad to say. But um, I think, you know, maybe it's just volunteering your time, right? I think volunteering your time is very important because then you start to make uh, connections to network. You probably wouldn't believe it, but I used to I used to hate talking to people. I hated it so much. And um, but now, you know, it's something that I understood that it was something I needed to do specifically in the field that I'm in um, to be able to get your thing to get yourself out there. Um, I think is also kind of losing the fear of uh, being told no was important. I mean, of course, there was forces that would guide me through certain things or, you know, but I think for me, it was always just working and volunteering my time. And, um, you know, even if it's uh, help, helping people, helping maybe friends or a gallery do something, just doing your part as an artist, showing up, right? Um, a lot of that goes a long way. And also... A lot of the things that I would say as an artist is fine-tuning a lot of things, right? Um, that also helped me a lot was fine-tuning my own work. I think having your own voice is important uh, too, you know, like talk to people. And that's what I mean by having your own voice is talk to people. Don't be afraid to tell them who you are and what you do or what your goal is. Ask for help. 
when you can get it. I think that's that's valid, right? I think we all deserve help. And sometimes, you know, unfortunately, sometimes people of color have to work like twice or three times as hard, uh, harder than, than a white, probably cis male has to work um, to get any type of recognition. And I wonder if part of that work is like working through the, tra the trauma. Um, like I, I heard you say like you're much more comfortable talking to people now and it's like if you if you had to do a lot of work to like feel safe talking to people that makes a lot of sense. Um, right. Especially if in our childhood like we were taught that it's not safe to talk about things um, yeah. or to be a certain way um, and so um, it, it makes a lot of sense that we also have to put in double the work that a white man wouldn't have to because he didn't have, being a white man is not traumatic in itself. Right. You can have right. other traumas, but not right. from the fact that you are a white man. Right, um, right. Yeah, um, I think yeah. that's part of it too. Yeah, and I think that, you know, honestly, I think that, yeah, I think, I mean, you, I think you said it pretty well too. I mean, I think that even if you're working uh, through your trauma, through your work, being able to to take care of yourself to a certain uh, degree that you're able to do all of those things, right? Um, I mean, I myself, you know, there was a time where I, I knew that I mentally I was not in the right spot, you know, and seeing a therapist. So I think mental health is super important for a lot of things. Sometimes we, we, we're like, oh, you know, but we're, like you said, we're, we're, we are taught to not you don't need somebody like that. And it's always like the word of God, or, you know, it's always a different element there that it's, it's not what we actually need. You know, there's a science behind it because we're built of science. Like that's what we are. We're matter. Right. And, you know, I think it's, it's important. I think it's important to take care of that. Um, I think it's, we should be responsible enough to do so also because uh, when you're able to recognize that you're not in a good spot, right? You're able to get the help that you need. And then you're able to be a far better person, even as an artist, because that allows you to create the work about that specific work too, or that trauma that you're like me, right? Like, for example, you know, I talk about the traumas of, of just um, being closeted and what that, has, what that has done to me my entire life. And I talk about it. And I think it's, I think it's important. I think definitely figuring that out, right? I think it's super important to do that. But I think, I think that that definitely is part of that hard work that you have to put into it. And having access to money, having access to healthcare, yeah. um, all plays a very important role in being able to get that help you need to then. Right, right. And you know, sometimes uh, you don't have the accessibility. But the bigger responsibility of a person, I would say, would be um, finding the assistance for that. Because yeah. there is so many programs yeah. right, that, that offer assistance. Um, I mean, there, there's so many things, but sometimes we're, we get so used to and we get stuck in this spot where we don't want to do more work than we're already doing. But I think when, when we allow ourselves to do that and really just, hey, this is what we have to do. This is what we have to do, right? And so, allow other people to take care of you. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you have to have to allow other people to, to help you because if you, if you don't, it, it, you're putting a lot more stress on yourself, right? And then you have maybe the possibility of not even trying to get mm -hmm. the help that you need, but definitely.
Yeah. How do you define your art community? Um, I think I think there's definitely a lot more growth to happen uh, with the art community, whether it's local or national, you know, in general, not just here in San Antonio, but elsewhere too, that we have gotten used to a certain thing, right? And no one likes change. And when there is no change, we get kind of stuck in that spot. Um, so, you know, sometimes, and it's unfortunate, we have to create our own communities at times, but also in doing so, um, we're allowing these other either institutions or communities, we're allowing them to oppress us, to, to corner us, to do this specific thing or pigeonhole us into this specific, you know, I, I also do talk about from time to time about how at the, you know, sometimes it's kind of like you're given the opportunity because uh, you're like the tokenized person, right? So I, I think there's a lot of work to be done or, you know, sometimes like I don't want to be included in a show just because I'm queer, right? There's a lot more to me uh, than that. But I do think that um, we should allow each other to grow and I think we should um, support each other right and uh sometimes uh we understand that it's that you know when we're living in 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 these times that you know it be becomes where maybe representation is scarce right so it becomes like a doggy dog world where you know uh you're getting recognition and another person's going to start i don't know hating you or disagreeing with a lot of things that you do because of that right that hostility should not exist. I think it should be more uplifting, right? But again, it goes into these circles that have been created, that have have existed for a while, and trying to break that circle is it, it can be tough. I don't know. I mean, I the community here in San Antonio has been supportive of my work, but you know, there's been times that things happen that I don't agree with. You know, and it can be maybe something that uh, we notice or an action or just something that um, that I maybe uh, don't specifically agree on a specific vision or whatever it may be because it, it can be in its entirety it can be oppressive or but for people it's very hard to see that because uh, the community can be so small we're in this circle and we're trying to break it uh, and make it grow it's very hard to do that because they're so used to a certain um, flow and a certain um, certain people going in and out, right? And it, but I, I I will say that you know my time here has been uh, great. I've had support from artists, galleries, and institution. Um, but I mean, there's you know not everybody's going to agree with what I do, and I understand that. And I think that's something that. As artists, we should always be able to understand that, that not every single person is going to agree on your view on anything, um, which is why um, ind individuality exists, right? A lot of your work, I feel like, is face-to-face -face with opposition. And in order to like create a better world, we need to come face to face with opposition and have the confidence to know like what we're doing is right even though everything else is telling us that going against the norm 
is usually a bad thing, even though bigger picture, we know it's the right thing. Um, and like, do you have any examples other than your work of things you might have, like situations you've been in where you've come face to face with opposition, whether it's like systemic or, or I mean, um, uh, institutional um, or with other individuals um, and what that's been like and like what gets you through that and any advice to other people as they're going against institutions or people that hold oppressive beliefs? God, that, now that is a loaded question. Um, <laughs> there, I mean, there's always a point in time that people are either gonna agree with you or they're not gonna uh, agree with you, right? As long as you're consistent, I think that is the most important thing of everything. When you don't have that consistency, I think your message becomes lost. Also, we should pay attention, like, who the hell is really doing the work, right? Like, who is really doing the work in what we do? And a lot of the time, it's the people, because we all know that, you know, the majority of institutions are also just how I mentioned earlier, white, you know, how do you break that, right? And I, I don't know, I think it's just knowing like, that they exist. I think it's important. I think it's just important to recognize that, right? And what do we do? Like, what can we do? I hope I answered your question. <laughs> Where do you see yourself going with your work through COVID, post-COVID? You mentioned that you have some shows and residencies that have been put on hold now. Um, what do you What do you look forward to? If this experience has taught me anything, discipline and having patience for a lot of things. Um, but you know, not everything has been canceled, which is very I'm very blessed. Still have the experience to that. So I mean, I, I still I am looking forward to a lot. So I'm still busy, but I will be going back to the Joan Mitchell Foundation residency next uh, either next year or the year after that, since I had to reschedule everybody. I have um, exhibitions that are coming up. That's another weird thing to me. It's like having an exhibition of physical space in which people really can't be in. But creating virtual tours is, I guess, right now is what is important. Um, but I have a show with the uh, Dallas Latino Cultural Center. Um, I have a solo show there that I'm working on. Um, which is super important. This is, I'm um, very excited about this work because I'm, get, I'm kind of uh, going into the idea of, um, on how boys specifically also, like the youngest male um, in a family is always almost raised in the image of the father. So like, I guess, you know, in the sense like, for me, it's like, it's always trying to be like your dad, right? Or, you know, or um, I would hear constantly, like as a kid, oh, you know, you have, uh, your hands are like your dad's, or you're going to play guitar like your dad, or the accordion, why don't you do this? Or, because my dad was a musician. Um, so the, the specific, the show is going to, it's going to be titled In His Image. And I'm going to use a lot of um, imagery um like photos and old photographs and kind of also just this idea of um because my father was a performer and he was like a musician so he was a different type of performer and uh going into it in that route of like i'm doing this almost like in his image but also as a queer person and developing so i, I mean i have old videos that i'll be using 
of my dad performing. Um, so it's going to be very special to me, but also it's kind of making this comparison of like, you can also be like your father and still be gay and, and still succeed. Right. Um, so that is one of the shows um, I'm working um, also with a Smithsonian on a project. Um, so, I mean, there's many things. I just got into the Atlanta Biennial um, at the Atlanta Contemporary. Um, so I do have bigger projects coming up. Um, I just, you know, it's busy, but it's a good kind of busy. But I have to also um, not be such a procrastinator. <laughs> with yeah, them. like talk about discipline. Like yeah. applying for all of these shows, I'm sure takes a lot of discipline. Yeah, I mean, and it's just... Um, Setting your your time aside to do that is important. Honestly, setting your 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 time just to reply to emails is super important. And um, sometimes it's it's so I I'm like the worst person for emails. I hate emailing, but sometimes it needs to be done, right? And uh, I mean I I do it, but I think you need to give yourself time to do that to um sometimes you just don't, you can't let like you can't leave people hanging and i know i've done it and i'm totally guilty of it or sometimes i forget and it's just like okay just today i was talking about like i need to get a calendar that is not the apple calendar on my phone like a totally separate app because i can see like everything that i need to um so yeah i mean that's you have to you have to try your best to be organized. And I know sometimes I failed at it, but it's always a learning experience. And I think as long as we continue doing that, but um, yeah, I mean, it, I do hope that in the future, I, I still uh, at some point I can go back to performing because I do have some new performances that I have in mind already that I've been working on. I think writing, um, Writing during this time has helped me out a lot too, like self-discovery of like possibilities and just simply writing quotes or thought, a single thought and it just leaving it alone and going back and revisiting has helped me. But yeah, I definitely have stuff coming up. The future, you know, will be fine. It's just going to be at a different pace. And I think it's just having that patience. Reclaiming Representation is hosted by me, Karina, and was created in collaboration with Unfiltered SA. Sarah Lee Guerrero edits our video and our theme music was created by Wish. Follow us on Instagram at reclaiming.representation for additional content and learn more about the series and how to support us at reclaimingrepresentation.com.